can think of on Christmas. And this year I said, Lord, what do you want me to preach? And the Lord says, I want you to preach on the gift of grace. If you could get any gift that you want, what would you get? Hmm? Some of us think, we, I, I would get, um, I would like to get a million dollars. I'd like to be debt free. I'd like to buy, a, maybe somebody said, I'd like to buy a Tesla. I always, I've always said, I'd like to be able to get a Chrysler 300. <laughs> you know, I'd like to be able to, 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 to travel around the world. What kind of a Christmas gift would you want? If you could get any gift you want, what would you get? And, and just think about that because the one thing that we, the, one, the gifts that we, that we don't think about the most are the gifts that come from God. We think about material things. We think about earthly things. We think about things here on earth. But what we don't think about are the things that come from God. And so, I, 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 for years, I used to work in the retail industry. This is one of the reasons why I stay away from stores during Christmas because people get ugly during Christmas. And, and, and one of the things that we learned when I was working uh, for a, a major retail company was uh, that everything you buy brand new comes with a guarantee. We, some, place, some call it a warranty, right? 90-day warranty or 90-day guarantee or a 60-day guarantee or a one-month guarantee, 30-day guarantee. And that guarantee is, that guarantee guarantees you or assures you of, of the quality of that product. As a matter of fact, the, 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 the lower the guarantee, the number of days assures that you're probably gonna get that product, it's only gonna last you probably, if it's a 30 day, it may last you, if, if it lasts you a year, you're lucky. If you get a 90 day guarantee, they say, we know for sure that this product will perform and do what it's supposed to do by, uh, within the, ne- you know, more than the 90 days, but it, it won't, we guarantee you that it will not break down past the 90 days with regular use. Okay, and so today I want to talk to you about the guarantee of the guarantee of grace because we're talking about the gift of grace, but we also want to talk about how God has given us a guarantee of grace. And so take, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. And I want to parallel this with Jesus being born during this season. Well, not during this season, biblically. Uh, Jesus wasn't born in, in December, okay? If you want to kind of get down to theological and historical and factual, uh, but we celebrate the birth of Christ in December, even though uh, some scholars and many theologians believe that he was born more like around April or May, um, we celebrate it in December. You have it? Say amen. He says, the guarantee of grace, watch this. He says, for by grace you have been saved through what? Hello? By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is what? The gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that anyone may boast. So what is a guarantee? Guarantee is an assurance for the fulfilling of a condition. It's a guarantee of the, fulfill, the assurance of, a, of the fulfilling 
of a condition. When God says, I, will, you know, I have saved you by grace, God has saved you fully by grace. Not of yourself. Nothing that you have done, nothing that you can do, nothing that you will do can save you. Nothing that, not your works, not your deeds, not your offerings, even though we're grateful for those. Not those things can save you and give you an assurance of entrance into heaven. It is the grace of God. And why do we need grace? Why do we need a guarantee of grace? Well, here's, here's real simple. If I were to abbreviate this message today, it would go like this. We need the grace of God because, we need a guarantee of the grace of God because without the guarantee, we will, work, we, will, we will be working always thinking that we can do more to earn God's favor over our lives. Nothing that you could do could earn the favor of God over your life. I remember saying to our foster daughter, I said, you know we love you, right? And she said, why, what did I do? I said, you didn't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything for us to love you. Because if you have to do something for me to love you, that's conditional love. God loved you with an unconditional love. And so, if we want the guarantee of grace, what is, what is grace? What is grace? Grace simply defined as this. Grace is God's plan of salvation for the underlying sinful man. For an under, under, undeserving sinful man. In other words, we were headed toward, toward eternal destruction. We were headed toward eternal damnation. We were headed, we were the ones that were deserving of the cross. We were the ones deserving of condemnation. Nothing that we did in the Old Testament used to have, they used to have to sacrifice uh, you used to have to sacrifice lambs and doves and, and, you, and you used to have to offer up the, the, the blood of goats and rams to be able to get an atonement for your sin. You used to have, they would bring in a, a, a goat and they would, the priest would put his hand on the goat along with the head of the household on the goat and then the, the head of the household would come and he would confess the sins of his home over the goat and then they would send the goat into the desert. That's where we get the idea behind a scapegoat. And, and God said, enough of that. Enough of, of, of all of these rituals that mean nothing to you. They're just rituals. You, you, you'll sacrifice one day and ask for forgiveness. And then the next day you'll go and you'll start doing it all over again. Enough of that. He said, I have a contingency plan for you. And that's to send my son, born of a virgin, born on this day, to be able to bring sa- sa- salvation to the world. So Ephesians, look, at, look up a couple of verses up from our original verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Watch what it says. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with, uh, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. By grace grace you have been saved he says god is rich in mercy he says the richness of god's mercy god's riches are without end 
God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God's love is without end. The Bible says no man can know the, the height, the depth, the width, the length, and the breadth of God's love. God's mercy is unending. God's grace is, and God extends that mercy and grace to us even if we don't deserve it. And nothing you can do could, deserve, could, could get God's, earn it. He's rich in mercy. And watch what he says. He says, God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. He loved us even when you were in sin. He didn't say, you get saved and then I'm going to love you. You get changed and then I'm going to love you. Oh, you get right. See, the concept a lot of people have today is that they have to get themselves right before they come to church. We got to realize that we come to church to get right with God. We come to God to get right with God. You could never do anything. You say, I got I to get all straightened out before I go to church. Oh, that church will burn down. No, 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 no. If I walk in there with the way I am right now, oh, you'd be amazed. You would be the one catching fire. You would be the one catching fire. And God de demonstrates, the, he demonstrates, he gives us his guarantee, it's called undeserved favor. It's undeserved favor. In other words, you didn't earn it. You could never do anything of your own to get, to get it from God. You can't purchase it. You could give a, a $10 million offering today, and God, it's not going to change God's grace or mercy over you. He's not going to say, I'm gonna get, I get more grace because I, I gave more. You could serve and stand at the door handing out bulletins. You could serve in the children's ministry and, and it, would still, it would still be undeserved favor over your life. You didn't deserve it. He extended his, his scepter over you. He extended his grace over you and he, he showed you mercy and favor over your life. Favor is, is God's blessing over you to prosper. God wants you to prosper. Now, I want to put a, a, a disclaimer in here. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not talking about prosperity gospel stuff here. He wants you to succeed. Prospering is succeeding in all that you do. He wants you to prosper in your walk with him. He wants you to prosper in your business. He wants you to prosper in your marriage. He wants you to prosper in your health. He wants you to, to, to grow and to succeed and be fruitful in all that you are. And it's undeserved favor that God shows you. You go someplace. I went to a doctor recently trying to get this cough to go away. And I went in there and I was ready to pay for my, whatever I needed to pay for. And they said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a minister, I'm a pastor, pastor church downtown. And I explained to them and <clears throat> didn't ask for nothing. I just told them, I'm a, I'm a, a self-pay Pay cash. Okay. <clears throat> they checked me out and they said, okay, this is what you're going have to have, have to do. And, and, and then uh, they said, okay, so uh, because you're, you're, you're cash pay, um, you know what? I got up to the, the, the counter. I said, okay, so how much is it? Because they had told me everything that was going to cost. It was going to be 200 for this and 300 for that and 100 for this. I said, okay, so I'm looking at about $600 here. Okay. All right. I, I got I to get better. I, I, I don't want to stop doing what God has called me to do. I, I'm called to preach. I'm called to, to minister. And so I get up to the counter and I said, okay, pull out my card. And the lady said, it'll only be a hundred and something. And I go, is that all? She goes, yeah, we're not going to charge you for the scope and we're not going to charge you for the CT scan. 
Amen. I didn't ask for the discount. I didn't say, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. Can you give me a discount? God showed his amazing favor in just those things. And those are minor things compared to what God shows us when he shows us favor. And, 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 and it's, God shows us his, his, he gives us his guarantee by showing us his undeserved favor in our life. When you think that you deserve it, then you really don't. But it's when you don't deserve it that God shows you that favor. And then he goes, not only that, but he also shows you his unending mercy. How many times have we messed up? How many times have you failed God? And yet, we, we get so embarrassed. I don't know. I, I don't want to come back to church because I've been, I've been screwing up so much, Pastor. I just don't, I don't, I don't know if God could ever forgive me. You don't understand the mercy of God. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. That means that every single day you get up, you've messed up, you screwed up, you've done things, you cussed at your wife, you kicked the dog, you, you spit on the cat, you slapped the kids, and now you're feeling like, man, I'm, I'm a horrible, horrible sinner. God could never forgive me. Let me tell you, you could get up tomorrow morning and your, your day will start with fresh mercy today. That's how the mercy of God works. And that's how the grace of God works. It's unending favor and unending mercy, un, undeserved favor, unending mercy, but also God's unconditional love toward us he loves us he loves you he loved you so much the bible says that god so loved the world he loved us so much that he sent his only son his one and only son to 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 save us from our sin save us i were to take a poll right now and ask how many of you would give up your firstborn maybe you might say please take them you know (laughs) But most of us would probably not sacrifice a child to save someone else. I would probably say almost 99.9% of us would. I can't imagine losing a child. One of my girls died. I don't know how I would be. But God, because of his love for us, gave his son, Jesus Christ. And that unconditional love, it's unconditional. When it's unconditional, unconditional means there's no conditions. It's not, you have to do this. You have to come to church so many times for me to love you. You have to give so much in the offering for me to love you. You have to dress a certain way for me to love you. You have to live, even if you're living like a heathen, he still loves you. That doesn't mean that he wants you to stay that way. You know, the saying that we always say in church, God, God accepts you as you are, but he doesn't accept you staying as you are. He will not allow you to stay. You can't use your past as an excuse for your present. You cannot allow your mistakes to keep you stuck where you are. You come broken, you come hurt, you come wounded, you come devastated, you come undeserving of the grace and mercy of God. And he loves you, he takes you, he accepts you, he embraces you, and he cleanses you and washes you and makes you a brand new person. Changes you. That's the transforming power of God. And it's unconditional. There's no, there's no stipulations on it. There's no quid pro quos. There's no, no uh, you know... Uh, fine lettering on the bottom type of a thing. All you have to do is believe that Jesus came to this earth to save us from our sin and died on the cross, rose from the grave, 
and that he's coming back again. You believe with all of your heart that Jesus is the Lord God himself in the flesh. And the Bible says, believe and you shall, re- you shall be saved. You've got to understand that Jesus, Jesus is the embodiment of God's grace. When God looked on mankind, all of mankind was lost. 400 years, 400 years, no, the word of God had not been brought forth. Basically, from Malachi to Matthew, the word of God was nowhere. The priests were just doing church, kind of like we're doing now. The Bible says in 1 John chapter, in John chapter 1, verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten, begotten from the Father, full of what? And he came to be the embodiment of the grace of God. Because before then, men couldn't receive the concept. Before then, all we, we saw God, and, and have you ever seen God this way? Maybe uh, it's just me, but um, none of you guys. You guys are probably a lot better than me about this. But, but uh, have you ever seen God as a judgy God? A God of lightning, a God of wrath, a God of hate? You're all going to hell, right? I grew up in churches like that. Every Sunday was, everyone's going to hell. Amen. Praise God. You're all going to hell. You go to hell for this, and you're going to hell for that. Everyone's going to hell. And it was like condemnation messages all the time. Understand that the grace of God is not about condemnation. The grace of God said, convicts me to realize that I don't deserve his grace. I don't deserve his love. I don't deserve his mercy. Yet he gives it to me anyways. See, God has always, it doesn't make a difference what you have experienced in your life. It doesn't make a difference what mistakes you have made. You could have killed somebody. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I don't want you to go kill anybody. But God always has a plan A. There's never a plan B. There's never a, you know, okay, well, if this don't work, then this is gonna happen next. Well, if, if they continue to mess up, then maybe I can send another savior. No, listen, or maybe they can do this, or maybe they can do that. God never had a contingency plan in case Jesus didn't work. He knew that when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sin, he knew that Jesus would be the saving grace that you needed. He knew that we would need that grace. He knew it. And a lot of times we, 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 we neglect to see that Jesus was born as our assurance of the grace of God. He was born as the insurance. God said, I'm going to lay my son down on the line so you see how much I love you. I'm going to give my son. And the only thing that I want from you, I, I'm not going to stop loving you. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, what shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, famine, naked, paired nakedness, peril, or sword? Nope, and all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Nothing of, none of those things that you've gone through, none of the things you're dealing with now will separate you from the love of God. It will never separate you from the grace of God. He loves you as you are. And he was born, he was born as that assurance. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, that he 
says he, he, she shall, this was the angel talking to Matthew, I mean, talking to, to, to Joseph and telling Joseph, your, your wife is with child and she's going to bear a son and she's going to call his name, you're going to call his name Jesus or Yeshua or Yeshua. The Hebrew name is Jesus is Greek, Yeshua is Aramaic and Yeshua, Yeshua is Hebrew or Savior. He shall save his people. He shall save his people from their sins. God sent Jesus Christ. Christmas is not about gifts under the tree. Gifts are nice. I like getting gifts. I love getting gifts. I love it. You know, I love it. Some Apple ear pods or, you know, I love gifts. But those gifts can never, ever be replaced by the grace of God. They can never ever be replaced by God's love and mercy and favor in my life. And Jesus was born on this earth, not uh, uh, born on this earth, not so that we could we, we could go out and have and, and shop and buy gifts and 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 you know those are great to have and it's fun to celebrate Christmas. It's, it's a season of giving. It inspires generosity. It inspires that. But it also, Christmas also inspires selfishness. Hello. Jesus didn't come to be born on this earth for selfishness. Jesus is the image of selflessness. Jesus is born on this earth because we have a selfless God. Jesus gave his life because he was a selfless savior and he gave his life so that we could know the grace of God. And his life was a demonstration of the grace of God. Everywhere he went, he extended the grace of God, showed grace to people, except for to the religious fuddy-duddies that came up. Oh, well, you know, that's not theologized, right? And you're, oh, and this is not doctrinal, and oh, but Jesus came to upset the norm. Are you upsetting the norm? Are you living in such a way that expresses the grace of God in your life? If, let's say Pastor Tony needs a heart transplant. Just as an illustration, let's say he needs a heart transplant. And before, right now, Pastor Tony, <laughs> just use as an illustration, okay? This isn't for real. He's out in the world, he's doing stuff, he's drinking, smoking, chewing, cussing, running around with those who do. Living like a total, total heathen, like he used to be back in the day, many years ago. Doctor tells him, Tony, unless you get a heart, get a new heart, you're gonna die. So Tony's like, Well, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Gets himself on the transplant list, and some crazy preacher who loves God, lives a good life, leading people to Jesus, dies. And his heart goes to Pastor Tony. And initially, Pastor Tony gets that new heart and thinks, okay, I've got, I got a new lease on life. 
I get to continue to do what I always, I, I, I didn't get to, I get to con- continue to do what I've always done. Until he realizes the value of his heart. That it costed someone else something so that he could have a new life. And that's what Jesus did. The Bible says in Isaiah that I will take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. God is giving you a heart transplant through Jesus Christ. Jesus is giving you his heart so that you can know the grace of God. Once Pastor Tony knows that he's got that that new heart, he begins to realize, they say, they say that the DNA of a transplant becomes embedded into you and you begin to adopt personality and character traits of, of the person that you, you receive this recipi- the, the donation from. People have said that they've received corneal transplants and seen things from a different perspective. People have received heart transplants that never used to eat chili but now like chili. Things like that. It's the craziest stuff. So can you imagine him receiving the transplant of a new heart in his life and him now adopting the lifestyle of the person that he received the heart from? That's what God did. God took your old, dry, crusty, nasty, yucky, pussy heart. Took it out. Gave you a new heart. Put it inside of you. Said, now is the grace of God. The grace of God is exemplified in your life. It's demonstrated in your life by this new life that you have through Jesus Christ. God loved you so much for that. It says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him, believes in him. Last week we talked about belief and distrust. When you believe in God, when you believe in him, to believe in something means that you put your full confidence in it. You're willing to live it. A lot of people, in, I've been doing some research, and a lot of people today in churches, they, 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 they know of God, but they don't believe in God. Because when you believe in something, you live it out. You become a disciple of what you believe. Come on. My wife and I, for a season, were health coaches in, a, in an organization. And I saw myself go from 240 pounds down to 140. 175 pounds. Felt good, felt healthy, felt skinny, felt strong. I was like, yeah, I had energy for days. And then they said, would you become a health coach and coach other people? We believed in the product. We believed in, in, in because of what it has done in our life. And see, when you experience the grace of God, you don't sit on it. You don't sit on it. You take it and you want other people to experience the grace that you've experienced. And see, Jesus, he came and he gave us this new life. The death of, of Jesus Christ became the application of God's grace. So his, 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 he was born for the assurance of God's grace. His life was the demonstration of God's grace. And his death is the application of the grace of God. He died so that you could know what freedom is really about. He did. 
question I have for you is, do you know freedom? Because freedom is knowing that you could go back to something, but you, you know you don't have to. We've had, over the years, people that have served as interns in our church. They've served as interns in our church, and most of them have come with a record. They've, lived in, they've been in prison in the, years, in the years past. And one of them, Brother Stosh, he, I, he has, I have permission for him to, to, to share part of this story, and that is... One of the days I was telling him, Sash, you need to get out. Are you throwing me out, Pastor? No, I'm not throwing you out. You need to get out, out of the four walls. I said, right now you have a prison mentality, so you're stuck in your room almost all day long. Get outside of that. And he'd come out for a little bit, and then he'd go back to his room. Come back out for a little bit and go back to his room. It wasn't until we finally, he, he, he finally made the decision to move to be with his boys, that he understood total freedom. A lot of us, we've been set free by the grace of God. You've been saved and set free by the grace of God, yet we still live like prisoners. We still live bound. Question is, are we convinced or are we converted? I'm convinced that I need God, but I'm not converted. I believe I need God, but I don't Trust him. The grace of God says, God, God says, you can't do this on your own. So I'm sending my son, Jesus Christ. When he came, he was born to save us from our sin. Save us from the lifestyle of sin. Everybody say lifestyle. He saved us from the lifestyle of sin. And, 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 and we need we need the gift of grace. If, if there's any gift you could get under the tree, if, if, if nobody else gets you anything you wanted, if the whole gift under the whole, whole tree was completely bare and empty and no gift was under the tree, the one gift that would all still be there would be the gift of grace. Why do we need the, the gift, uh, gift of grace? Real simple. We need the gift of grace because we're all sinners. We are all sinners. The Bible says, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means that every single one of us in this place, including myself, yes, I know, myself, being a pastor doesn't make you perfect. We are all born sinners. We are all born into sin. And Jesus came, was born of a virgin, born on this earth, lived, lived to demonstrate and guarantee the grace of God. We are born sinners. But here's what we do. We, 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 we work hard. We try hard as we can to earn God's love. Don't, don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. If I could try a little harder, I'll pray a little bit more. If I can read a few more chapters, if I go to church more, for, if I can go to church a few more days, all of those things are crucial and important, but those things are not the things that will, that will get 
the grace of God over your life. The grace of God comes to you free. If I walk over to you and I hand you a box, you say, what's this? It's a million dollars. How many of you would be push it back to me and say, oh, I don't deserve that, Pastor? You'd probably be like, what? Why? What? How? Just take it. It's a gift. It's free. What can I do for you, Pastor? Because we all feel like we deserve, we have to earn it. When we say, God loves you, God loves you, what do I need to do? Yes, I know he loves me, what do I need to get his love? Nothing, just believe. That's a hard concept for all of us to understand, is to just believe. Hello? How many believe? Amen? It's more than just believing, though. Because believing is living. Believing is taking what we, 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 we believe in and we put it into practice in our lives. Your works can't save you. He says, not as a result of works so that anyone boasts. You can't say, well, I earned my salvation. No, you didn't earn your salvation. It was free of charge. It was given to you as a gift. You didn't do nothing to earn it. You didn't do anything for God to be able to say, okay, here you go. You got, you, okay, you, oh, you still have 13 more points. How many of us have those points apps on our phone, right? You got a point app. I have used this one called Upside. You have to like, you go to, you find gas stations where you can get points back and then you can get like Starbucks or money back in your account. And then sometimes you get those ones that you, 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 che- you check in and then it tells you, okay, great. And then three weeks later it says it didn't go through. Like What? Aren't you glad the grace of God is not a point system? Do so many things and God will love you. Do this many things and God will serve. God will save you. Do this many things and God will change you. Do this many things and everything in your life will go great. And a lot of these TV preachers today, I'm saying it. Yes, I am. A lot of these TV preachers today have got you thinking that. That's why I don't watch Christian TV anymore. If you just send in a... You know, a donation of $777, God is going to bless you with 777 blessings in your life. No, he's not. God has already blessed me. I don't need to have to send in $777. Send in an additional $1.50, we'll send you an anointed dish rack, guaranteed to keep the demons off your dishes. Hallelujah. For an additional $2, we'll send you a holy statuette, put it on top of your TV, and pray and watch uh, Yellowstone all at the same time. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And, and they, they make you work for what is absolutely free. You don't need to do anything to receive the love and the grace of God. He loved you before you were ever, bo- before you were ever born, before he, you were ever conceived in your mother's womb, God loved you. Before you ever asked for forgiveness, God loved you. And even in your darkest, deepest, ugliest moments of sin in your life, God looked through time and loved you even still and said, I've got a plan to save that person and bring them out of the darkness that they're in. I've got a plan to change them. It's the grace of God that has that power to do that. We need the grace of God because we're sinful. We need the grace of God because our works can't save us. And we need the grace of God because we live in a fallen world. Somebody asked me one day, 
If God is so powerful, then if God is so powerful, then why is he letting all this racism happen? I said, God is powerful. And it exemplifies his power that he's allowing it to happen. They go, huh? I said, because God will not force us to serve him. And I apologize to them. I said, I apologize to you on behalf of all Christians everywhere. Because God, as Christians and believers in Jesus Christ, we have been given authority over this earth and we don't pray enough. We don't invite God enough to intervene. The grace of God, we are living in such a fallen world. The Bible says, for we know that the whole creation groans and suffers pains of childbirth together until now. The whole world, if you look at the news today, the whole world, races and race riots, wars, rumors of wars, Storms happening in places that never happened before. Flooding that's happening in places that's never happened before. Droughts that are happening in places. Spain is drying up. There's lakes in Spain that are drying up. They're saying by the year 2050, Spain will be a desert wasteland. But that's not God's fault. That's a result of sinful man. You see... When God created Adam, Adam and Eve, they sinned and they disobeyed God and they opened the door to sin in the world. And because of that, we have the sin, the, the, the results of sin in our life. When you sin against God, sin is disobedience to God. And when you disobey God, you open the door to the enemy and the enemy comes in and begins to wreak havoc in your life. But even in the midst of that, the grace of God is there. To live in a fallen world means that we struggle with sin on a daily basis. Maybe that's just me. I don't know about you, but, you know, we live and we struggle with sin every single day. We experience heartache. We experience pain when we live in a, a fallen world. We witness natural disasters and, and, and staggering loss. We see <coughs> insurmountable deaths happening, <coughs> shootings happening around the world. We see injustice, we see inhumanity, we see falsehood, and we see corruption at the government levels. We see discord and trouble are are commonplace all around the world. And, and, And none of this was God's original plan for humanity. When God created man, Adam and Eve, he wanted a, 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 a race of people to have a relationship with him. And he said, the only way that they can have that relationship with me is through my son, Jesus Christ. So I'm gonna send him to the earth to walk among them so that they can know and experience the real grace that comes from me. Not through a priest, not through rituals, not through tradition, not through, through, through practices or, or even pagan practices for that matter. You have that relationship because of God's grace. We all fell away. We, we, we fell away from God's original position in the Garden of Eden. And today we live in a fallen world and all creation continues to grow, groan at the consequences of a sinful world that we live in. When you look at the news Look at the news and you hear all of this tragedy. That's a result of sin. And yet God loves us so much. He loves us so much. 
Jesus became, Jesus came, Jesus became the guarantee of grace. Jesus became the lamb that takes the sin away, the sin of the world. Before, like I said, they would have to sacrifice a perfect lamb. They'd have to take the firstborn lamb without spot or blemish, and they would have to, they would have to spill its blood. They would have to sacrifice that lamb, and that blood would, would bring the remission of sin for that person. And God said, enough. I will send my son as the perfect lamb. And the Bible says that he was without spot or blemish, without any sin in his life. And the Bible says that God, God put the sin of the world on him. Past, present, and our sin today, future. Jesus became that sacrificial lamb for you. I was doing some research and I came to find out that the Bible says, you know the story of Christmas and the Bible says he was born in a manger. If he'd been born in a palace, he would have been a king. Right? But he was born in a manger. And those mangers, what they would do is the Bible says, and he will, you will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes or swaddling cloths. You know what they would use the swaddling cloths for? They would wrap, they would wrap the lambs so that they're, until their legs were strong because the lambs, when they're first born, their, their, their bones are soft. And so they would wrap them for so many days to keep their bones from, so their bones from breaking or from their bones from dis- disfiguring. And so they took Jesus, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and they laid him in a manger. That's what they would do with lambs. Jesus became that lamb. He became the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He was born and he continued to lead a sinless life and he died a guarantee of God's grace for us. That means that you, that you must believe that his sacrifice was enough. I'm not saying you shouldn't serve. We need you to serve. Praise God. I'm going to selfish plug in there. We need you to get involved. We need you to get connected. But more importantly, I need you as your pastor. I need you to believe that, it's, that his sacrifice his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his return. And do you believe that that's enough. Nothing you could do can earn the love of God, can earn the grace of God. Through God's grace, we can have the assurance of, or the guarantee of our salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. This is a straight-up gospel message. This is the gospel The good news. I said, Lord, this is Christmas. Don't you want me to preach something about Christmas? God said, my son is Christmas. My son is the spirit behind Christmas. Amen. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Jesus is the meaning of Christmas. He's the... And... and you know how back in the day, I don't know about you, but we, they used to write, everybody used to write, Merry Xmas. And oh, my mom would get so mad. Oh, they're taking Christ out of Christmas. We need to get back to that. We need to get back 
to putting Christ back into Christmas. We need to get back to centralizing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is that God saw the world needed a savior. God looked upon sinful man that he had created and we had fallen into bondage of sin and God sent, had a plan and sent his son Jesus Christ to, to live and die for us so that we could know salvation, so that we could know freedom. And Jesus became the sacrificial lamb for us. Jesus was born on this earth for us. Not Santa Claus. Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus was that was is is the the reason for this season. I'm using kind of cliches now, but and he wants you to experience his grace. There have been many times in my life both as a man and even as a pastor that I have messed up said things done things thought things fought with things can't tell you the many times that I probably felt like I didn't deserve to even be a pastor And I'm humbled by his grace. His grace has brought me through. I look at pastors dear friend of ours well I can't say he was a dear friend but he's a person we follow used to follow in worship, a few years ago, took his own life as a pastor. And I'm not saying that that's me, just so you know. <laughs> I'm saying that makes me aware of the grace of God. His love, his mercy, his grace are so good. He didn't have to love me, but he did. He didn't have to help me, but he did. He didn't have to save me, but he did. He didn't have to reach down into the darkest hole that I was in in my life and pull me out, but he did. And it was because of his son, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, Yeshua, he saved my life. My friend, if you have not experienced the grace of God, or maybe you have, but you have forgotten the power of his grace, I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads this morning because there's power in his grace. Maybe you came in this place this morning and those that may be watching online, you feel like you don't deserve God's grace. You feel like you don't deserve his love. You feel like you don't deserve God. 
You don't, you don't get to determine that. You don't get to decide that. That's God's choice. And he says, I'm giving you this gift today. This is your Christmas gift. It's the gift of grace. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do anything to get it. Just believe. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. Is anybody in this place who say, Pastor, I need the grace of God in my life. I forgot what it means. And I want to make my life right with God this morning. If that's you, would you just, where you're sitting, I want you to stand right now. Thank you. I see you standing. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. I see you standing. Anybody else? You could mess up today and God's grace will still be there. Anybody else? I see you standing. Anybody? There's still a few more people. I feel the Holy Spirit telling me <coughs> to wait. Anybody else? You may never get another chance. I want you to pray with me right now. We're going to do this a little bit different today. Because receiving the grace of God is not about someone laying their hands on you. Receiving the grace of God is about you believing. Putting your full confidence in God and saying, I trust you with my life. So with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, those of you that are right where you're at, right where you're standing, right where you're at, those that are watching online, I want you to pray with me right now. I want you to say it out loud. Say, Jesus, I believe that you were born on this earth as the gift of God for my salvation. I believe that you are the Savior, the Messiah, sent to save me from my sin. Forgive me. Come on, say it. Forgive me for not believing, for not trusting. I receive you this morning. I recommit my heart to you today that my life will be right with you. I receive your free gift of grace. I give you permission to change my life, change my whole life, every part of me, until all that's left is the image of you in me. Thank you, Jesus, for being born on this earth. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for me. Thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus Christ. In your powerful name, I pray. Amen and amen. Can you say amen? Come on, somebody, say amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. Praise God. Pastor Rose, will you come? The microphone over here.
Good morning, everybody. What a powerful message about God's gift of grace. Amen. Well, I just have a couple of announcements this morning. As you can see, I have a box up here that is a gift. Everybody can see that. We have these 